1: and investigators who spend their days and nights and weekends on the dark web. And because we do so many incident response engagements and look at the forensics after the fact, we know that it takes an adversary about an hour and 38 minutes from the time they're on the first machine till they move to the next machine. Once they move to that second machine and the third machine and the fourth machine, along the way, they're picking up new credentials and new passwords and new capabilities.
0: This is a solution showcase. My name is Bill Russell. I'm a former CIO for a 16 hospital system and creator of This Week Health, a channel dedicated to keeping health IT staff current and engaged. You can subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, you name it, we are there. You can also go to thisweekhealth.com and subscribe there as well. And now, on to our show. All right. Today, we have a solution showcase. I'm really excited about this. These three gentlemen got together in a panel recently at an event I was at, and they talked about how CIOs can keep their jobs, and I thought it was relevant for our community to listen to this. It's really about incident response recovery and those kinds of things. And uh, I wrote an article a while back, and I said, you know, there's there's a handful of things that are really fun of the CIO job. You get to innovate, you get to do digital, you get to do all those things. But at the end of the day, if you can't keep your data center running and you lose that that, that connectivity and all those things to the endpoint devices, it's not long before that's the basic block and tackling of the job. And you got to make sure that you do that. And this is about making sure that those systems are available. Today, we have Marty Momdagen with uh, Sirius Healthcare, part of their healthcare strategy, now a CDW company. We have Mickey uh, Bresman, who is the CEO of Sempris, and we're excited to have him here and Drex DeFord, which everyone's familiar with, an executive strategist with CrowdStrike. Mickey, big day for Sempris, by the way. We've got to start. You guys just announced a, a significant fundraise for Sempris, so congratulations. You, you want a couple comments on that? You've been talking about it all day to the press, so might as well give you give your, your two cents here for this before we get going. Sure,
2: and I just wanted to say that that from the introductions, I, I was I the only one who felt that the need to say everybody loves Drex, <laughs> but, <laughs> <laughs> we, we, but we uh, do. he's one of the most likable guys in healthcare. It's true. I I could not agree more. Yeah, so we have announced today our round C of two hundred plus million round that was led by KKR, which is one of the leading. Cyber investors, and not only they—they are a huge entity, as you guys probably know. They were also joined by several other cybersecurity leading companies like Ten Eleven and and Paladin, and then also from the healthcare aspect, one of the investors that I'm really excited about is Atrium Health, kind of playing into the the story of how can we be helpful to the healthcare area because. The, the investment from Atrium, and uh, that one is, is really um, dear to my heart, I would say, because the, the discussions that we had, from their perspective, yes, there is a financial gain. That's at the end of the day, the goal, but what is also as equally important and maybe, not even, and maybe even more important to them is what is the impact that we can bring to the healthcare industry, which to me was resonating very well our fastest growing sector in the last, I don't know, 12, 24 months or so have been healthcare. And we proudly serve the majority of the 10 biggest healthcare in the US and abroad.
0: Yeah, that's exciting. It's, it's great to have a strategic investor, right? Not only they're putting the money in, but they're also utilizing the product. And that that means a lot. Marty, you're going to tie all this together. CrowdStrike's here. Sampras is here. Why are these two companies here together? And what are you doing with them with regard to, to, to serious?
3: Yeah, so th- this all started about two and a half years ago with the whole ransomware threat, all the looming advanced persistent threats, the bad actors, really every time we had a breach, it, it's a cause for chaos, right? It's healthcare is not in the IT industry, we're in the industry of taking care of patients. And every time we had a major incident and a customer called us and said, hey, help, we need extra hands. We need extra minds. We just need support to keep clinical systems online. Usually our first two phone calls were CrowdStrike and separate right off the bat. And After about 10 times of doing incident response, we kind of sat down and said, hey, what are the commonalities? What do we need to do to keep clinical systems online? So caregivers, clinicians, bedside staff can do what they do best and take care of the patients. And we just came back to let, let's call the experts, right? Let's call CrowdStrike to do remote incident response and protect the endpoint systems or protect the data center. Let's call Sempris to protect Active Directory because that's a key component of everything identity related. So we can keep clinical systems online. Yeah, so
0: that's that, that's essentially the foundation there, right? You can't do any, if Active Directory is gone, you're you're out of the water because so many of our systems are, are tied to Active Directory. And then we need to have those endpoint devices working from the get-go, plus the incident response services that CrowdStrike offers going in. Director, you and I have talked about this, how critical it is to address these things quickly because there's sort of a timeline that we've seen over, over the last couple of years for these ransomware attacks. And it's like, once this happens, then this happens, then this happens. And if you can somehow get in the middle of there, you can protect some things from going down, but if you wait too long, then you have to, you have to go into that, that recovery phase. Talk a little bit about that timeline.
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, we know just because we have so many threat analysts and investigators who spend kind of their days and nights and weekends on the dark web. And because we do so many incident response engagements and look at the forensics after the fact, we know that it takes an adversary about an hour and 38 minutes from the time they're on the first machine till they move to the next machine. We call that breakout time, or you may sometimes hear that referred to as lateral movement that within an hour and 38 minutes, they're moving to the next machine. And once they move to that second machine and the third machine and the fourth machine, along the way, they're picking up new credentials and new passwords and new capabilities. And so once they have that first breakout time, your odds of getting ransomware or having data exfiltrated really goes up astronomically. So the goal in all of this has to be to be able to find the bad guy and kill them off within an hour and 38 minutes. And so the the strategy that we use at CrowdStrike is something called 11060. Within a minute, we can get an alert on that endpoint that something nefarious may be going on. And within about 10 minutes, we can confirm that. And then at that point, we're so far ahead of the bad guy, we can actually kill them off. And in many cases with a, a... service we call Falcon Complete, we can actually recover that machine and put it back in service. So it gives you a lot of resiliency, right? To end users, it feels like nothing ever happened. And that's kind of, if you get ahead of the game, you can do that. When it comes time to come in for an incident response, if you're not a CrowdStrike customer, the incident response part of that uses exactly the same sensor deployed to endpoints but it's a little bit more of a challenge then obviously because you've already got a problem on your hands and we're we're coming in with really, really smart people to help you recover those endpoints, get them back in service and get back in the game.
0: But if they get to active directory and policy manager, I mean this thing is uh, is the crown jewels, isn't it? I mean, we can we can unlock an awful lot if we if we get to active directory, can't can't we, Mickey?
2: Yeah, for sure i was asked about it not that long ago and my general thinking is that in the last several years cyber criminals have actually discovered active directory before the it world really was paying attention and that kind of what drove the attention of the it world and the security world back to active directory as well but cyber criminals have been abusing active directory for quite a while i would say going back at least to 2016 and more so in 17 i was also thinking how much there are commonalities between what we do and CrowdStrike and how much I like the fact that we are working together with Sirius, CrowdStrike and others on when it comes to incident response. In terms of how we approach it, our incident response services are only focused on the Active Directory in Azure AD. Those are the two systems that we are covering and we have kind of the same as in the CrowdStrike story but focusing on the identity side, we have the the biggest number of identity experts worldwide, which allows us to come in with a lot of experience in terms of how do you go about recovering the AD environment? How do you go about recovering Azure AD environment and how you gain the organization back to point that they are up and running and they can trust their environments again. And then of course, everything that we learn out of those incident response engagements goes back into the product to make the next engagement even better and to help the customers to be able to do those things in, in as much automated way as possible that's kind of how we look at it and from my perspective and and i know that this is also how many of our partners like multi for instance are thinking about it when it comes to the recovery stage of a ransomware attack there will be two things that you will need to recover first you will have to gain the control over the ad you will need to have it up and running you will then need to go ahead and, and recover the critical applications and the endpoints. And only then uh, you can have the experts like Marty coming in and helping you with the critical applications that you have for the, if it's the Epic uh, and and similar.
0: Yeah. So Marty, bringing this all together, is, is this really about incident response? I mean, because we've talked to Matt Sickles, we've talked to others. In fact, I just talked to Sirius and semperus together and we were talking about those early days when you get those phone calls it was actually a fun uh, conversation that we had but those are dark days in some cases i mean where you uh, all you have left is a command line to a terminal and you're trying to do some things and figure out what's going on that's that's the the worst case they were sort of sharing is this a is this an incident response or a recovery play or when you get that phone call from from a health system, what does Sirius do?
3: It's all of it, right? Our engagement methodology now is engaged with our really closest customers and any customers in general and say, hey, let's tie incident response, major IT, incident management and emergency management together. Because at the end of the day, IT is a business partner that should keep clinicals online at all times. So the way that we have our engagement methodology built out now is let's bring in the experts. Bring in CrowdStrike, bring in Sempris, bring in our incident response team, and bring in our clinical support teams and say, what does your healthcare system need? And what does clinical need to continue taking care of patients? And the way that we've structured things is let's take all the lessons that we've learned and provide you a retainer that you need for CrowdStrike to come in and do A, B, and C on remote incident response, provide you a retainer to have Sempris come in and make sure that you have a secure, and fully backed up and resilient copy of Active Directory. And if you do have an incident, now when you make the call, we engage with all three parties and say, you know what, let CrowdStrike do what they're best at. Let Sempris do what they're best at because they are the, I don't like the term market leader, but they are very good at what they do, which is why we rely on them. And we can now focus on keeping clinical systems online, getting ADT online, getting census up and available, getting the vet status online, and just getting patient registration online while our security partners focus on detection, isolation, eradication. And that's really the approach that we took was every time we had a major incident, we rely on these guys to do what they do best better than anybody else.
0: So when the chaos sets in, it's one phone call. You just you, you call yeah. serious. You coordinate the activities, they bring bring everybody to to the table, and, and help in the response. But I, I like part of that that you were talking about because both CrowdStrike and Sempris have preventative things that help the restore go so much easier. Well, Mickey, we'll we'll start with you. The I mean, if, if they have Sempris actually installed and you know, the various aspects of, of the Semperis tool in, installed, it, it does make that response and that restore a, a lot easier, doesn't it?
2: For sure. And one of the things that we will have discussion with customers if it's ahead of time is what we refer to as the breach preparedness and response. So this is the breach preparedness side of it. And one of the things that we encourage customers to think about, if you think about BCP, is to take the cyber cyber first approach to BCP which basically means up to 10 years ago when we were thinking BCP, we were thinking flood, we were thinking fire, we were thinking energy or power outage or something like that. This is still potentially can happen, but the frequency of the cyber attacks and the damage that they they cause is very different. It's not thinking about one of the four data centers that I have is now down or unavailable. It's all of them, including the workstations and so on that that are attached. All of it is being encrypted in a matter of minutes. And and I'm sure that Drex and and Marty have seen the same thing over and over again. In a matter of an hour, that's it. There is nothing else to work with. And if you are lucky, then you have a backup copy of your AD environment somewhere. And, And being lucky is definitely not a strategy. But then you're also going to have the concern of what if this backup has been infected? What if there is already a malware inside of the backup? Because the standard backup and recovery solutions are all relying on methods like system state or or bare metal recovery, which basically includes the malware in the backup. And then the thing with AD, it also takes a while to understand because of the nature of of Active Directory being distributed. The fact that you have a backup and the orchestration of the recovery are very different things, and and it takes a while to fully understand what the recovery process is going to look like. So those are the things that we we would love to have a chat with the customer before they actually need to deal with the incident response and not during when everything is on fire and everybody is running around. Things that sometimes sound obvious, but you will be surprised. What is your offline offsite policy? How do you store backups? Another question can be who is the authority that you need to go to in order to get an approval to start the recovery process? If you are a globally distributed company and you have, which is a relatively common scenario, but you have some IT in the US as an example and some IT is in the UK, who have the ability to say, okay, we are good to go. All of those things needs to be thought ahead of time. And especially when it comes to Active Directory because it's so much in the heart of everything you want to make sure that the different pieces that are involved in the recovery process are not part of your recovery plan. So if your storage device is authenticated to the Active Directory, cannot be part of your recovery process. If your network device is authenticating against Active Directory, cannot be part of your recovery process. All of those things, it's way better if you think of those ahead of time Otherwise, you end up with people trying to get from a window into a data center because the door is also authenticated against the active directory. <laughs> and I'm not kidding. That's a real story. No, no, that's, um, uh, that is very no, true. So my point there is as much repression you do ahead of time, the less painful it's going to be. And then instead of um, wasting days or weeks on the recovery process, Try to get to a point that we can contain the whole thing in a matter of a few hours. It, it's a very different type of uh, still unpleasant experience, but it's definitely very different.
0: Yeah, and your your tools have a lot of detect capabilities as well that you can detect things as they're happening, roll them back within active directory. So if if there's malicious activity and whatnot, which Drex, that's I I, I want to get to you because you guys you guys have a lot of a lot of those kinds of tools as well that are gonna detect things as they're happening and say, yeah, that's, that doesn't look right.
1: Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of um, similarity, I think, in thinking between Mickey's company and, and CrowdStrike, right? This idea that there's almost like a back button or an undo button that, that you have access to, to be able to move back to before the bad event happened so that you can kind of then continue on from there. The thing I love about the trio that we have here is what's the saying? Like the first best time to plant a tree was 40 years ago. And the second best time to plant a tree is today. Today. There's Mm -hmm. a situation I think here of if you don't do anything else, do an incident response retainer with Marty and the guys at Sirius, right? That will be the incident response retainer that will also include CrowdStrike and Sempris. That's the best situation that you can have if you don't have an incident response retainer today. Or if you have an incident, you can get to us right away. But the best situation actually is to have these conversations now, run the exercises, let Sirius come in and understand How your systems work and what systems you have, and what's dependent on what. Let Mickey and the Simpris guys come in and do the same thing around Active Directory. Let us come in and make sure that we can look at the whole network, look at all the endpoints, and that we understand where they're at and what they're doing today. In those cases, when you've done that, when an incident starts to happen, we just cut it off at the pass. It's like it, it's almost like it never even happened. And that's the resiliency that you need today in healthcare, if you're going to provide better, cheaper, faster, safer care for patients and families. We just can't take that risk anymore. Patients need those systems to be up. Doctors and nurses, in many cases today, I did a presentation in New Orleans a couple of weeks ago. And when I asked how many people had uh, trained in medical school, when they didn't have access to an electronic health record, there were only a few hands, right? Everyone, their, their training has been done with IT systems. It's the only way they know how to provide good, safe care. So we just can't let them go down. We have to protect them.
0: Let me hit the proverbial soft spot right now for health system leaders, and that is uh, cyber insurance and whatnot. And this is, this is an interesting retainer, and it's an interesting concept one of the challenges we're having is we're renewing these things at rates that are, they don't make fiscal sense to, to renew these things. And even, even if you want to renew them fiscally, they come in with this arduous process and then they dictate in the contract, Hey, here's who you're going to deal with. Are you guys talking to you? And I guess Marty, I'll come to you. Are you talking to clients about how they're thinking about their cyber liability moving forward and how they can, I don't know, work to make it more manageable from a financial standpoint?
3: We are. I I think one of the hottest topics has been some healthcare systems are looking at it and saying, let's go self-insured, right? Right. Go through the board, which you need a big bucket of money sitting somewhere to make sure that you have some kind of guarantee if there is a financial impact. But it's also very, very, very complex. And what I keep having a conversation with CISOs and CIOs and CTOs is, why am I spending that kind of money on cyber liability insurance when I can spend that to hire staff, when I could go get CrowdStrike and go get SEMPRIS and go get incident response teams and protect my systems. I think it's a lot more complex than that because there is no vendor that's gonna show up and say, I'm gonna reduce your cost. And this is something we learned. I learned from Drex right after a lot of conversations, there is no right or wrong in how to reduce cyber insurance. But a lot of executives, from the technical point of view and security point of view are saying, why am I spending this type of money? What well, I can invest this money in solutions and partners and hiring staff and get a much better result than relying on cyber insurance.
0: Yeah. If, if, if you have the, we've, we've seen this with, with health insurance, companies that have the wherewithal will say, we're going to, we're going to self-insure. We need a, an entity over here to do the processing and the insurance cards and all that other stuff. But at the end of the day, we're going to self-insure because the cost of healthcare has got to be ridiculous and it becomes even more. Are, are, are the two of you, Drex and, and Mickey, are, are you guys hearing this same kind of thing in the industry?
2: I think that one interesting aspect, not related to us, but just in general, they've been a publishing about the cost of, of cyber insurance to be to the insurers, to the insurers' companies, basically. And while the cost of cyber insurance constantly goes up, they keep on losing money. And I think that if if you think about what it actually means is that the cost of downtime for most of those organizations is is so high that the fact that you are insured, if if you stay down for a long period of time, that potentially might mean even going out of business. And then no insurance is going to help you with that. Yes, you will be paid something, but it's kind of, I have a life insurance, it's okay to jump from the window. Uh, Probably not the best idea. So yes, I I think that we are seeing more and more companies thinking in terms of, can I use the same budget in order to be able to better protect myself, to prevent the, the incident? And then if the incident does happen, to be able to bounce back. I even had discussion w- with some of the cyber insurance companies, and I'm sure that, that Drex and, and his company is, is the same story there, but they are now actively looking, what can they do to reduce the downtime of their customers so that the, the cyber insurance cost will, will not be going completely out of whack?
0: Yeah. So Marty, you should be talking to those guys and going in. Drex, we talked about this, I think on the New State Show, the... Scripts cost was pretty public because they came out and just said, "Hey, here's here's our financials," and I, th- I think it was 100. Uh, if, if I remember correctly, it was somewhere around 120 million, yep. give or take. Give or take. And yep. that's that's just the downtime. I mean, if there's an actual breach of information, then you have the penalties coming after the fact. And I, I don't know that there was in this case, but the downtime alone was was pretty pretty harsh are you finding that health systems now are starting to have the conversation taking it more seriously? We, we had those other incidents. We had WannaCry, we had all those things, but still I heard Siso saying, yeah, it's still hard to get people's attention of how serious this is and what can happen. But now we've had big systems come offline uh, and, and we have numbers to back it up and we have stories to back it up. Is this now a board level? We're having the conversation they're they're ready to make these investments
1: yeah i think there's i think we're closer to that now than ever before i think there's still a lot of there's a lot of focus and convincing that may need to be done in in some places back to the cyber liability insurance um, comment the idea that Health systems now more than ever, as I have conversations in the last year, I've never heard so many healthcare organizations say that they're going to build their own captive and they're going to self-insure and they're going to sort of create these programs to take care of themselves. And like you said, it's because the rates have gone up, the deductibles have gone up, and the limitations of liability coverage have really, really narrowed. We're on the panel for probably 95% of the cyber liability insurance uh, carriers, which means that... If you have an incident and you call CrowdStrike uh, and we come in and help you with it, your cyber liability insurance carrier um, will cover that. But in 2019, cyber liability insurance companies, and I don't have these numbers exactly right. I, I have them pretty close, though. They paid about 43 cents in every dollar that they collected in premiums. They paid out in claims in 2019, 43 cents. By 2021, they were paying out like 78 cents of every dollar. So sounds like great profit margins in healthcare, but it's not a program that works for insurance companies. So we saw a lot of cyber liability insurance companies pull out and just say, we're not going to do that kind of insurance anymore. And we saw others, uh, as you said, who continued to stay involved with cyber liability insurance do all those other things like generate a huge list of questions and really want to be involved in how your program works and what tools you're using. And, and, and the bottom line in that ultimately came down to, or has come down to today, there's no good driver discount. You just have to have a good program or you're not going to get insurance. Or if you don't have a good program, you're not going to get insurance. And now what are your options? So it's a, it's a tough landscape out there. I think boards are definitely more involved than ever before. Executive leaders are involved more than ever before, but but it's still it's still a tough conversation in a lot of places.
3: Yep. So one thing I will add to that, Bill, is when we've been engaging with customers to help them build an incident response plan, emergency management plan, major incident management. A couple of years ago, the conversation was always patient safety, right? And I'll be the one to say it. When we get engaged at the board level, there is somebody a lot smarter than us that is in charge of patient safety and knows what to do when clinical systems are not available. We've learned that over and over and over. Now it's coming down to the CIO, the CTO, you know, CMIO, especially the CFO saying, we got patient safety. We will handle downtimes. Hospitals know what to do. They have the HICS process. We take EMR downtimes. Now you, the incident response team, IT applications teams, you're responsible to get revenue cycle online, get charge capture online, get billing online, keep clinicals online, because that is very important for their downtime process and for healthcare systems managing revenue cycle. Because at the end of the day, how does a CISO go to a cyber insurer to make a claim and have that conversation of how complex healthcare is and justify the cost of downtime, whether it's one day or 30 days, right? Most cyber insurers, when we do the after action report and the postmortem, it, it, they look at us like we have 10 eyes when somebody in clinical or revenue cycle is walking them through the process of what it actually costs for the healthcare system to be offline because of how complex it is. Yeah.
0: It, it's amazing how interconnected it is now. We did a, a webinar with a company that went through a ransomware attack, and they were they're talking, yeah, you know, we lost our EHR. And you're right; every health system is trained to go without the EHR for a day, yeah. maybe, maybe even two. Yep. You get you get to three and four, and it gets to how do we schedule these people again? And Drex, you made the point that they're all trained on on electronic systems now, and some have never done paper. You have to train them how to use paper. And sometimes when they're tied up with Active Directory, your imaging systems stop working, and some other things stop working. Your Pixis system stops working.
1: Your pharmacy equipment, you bet.
0: And now, now you're like to 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 a whole new level. I want to thank the three of you for working together on this. It's it's such a great problem. This week, Health has twenty four sponsors. You are three of them: CrowdStrike, Semperis, and a Serious Healthcare, CDW company. And people often ask me, how do you come up with the twenty four companies? And I. Say, so for the most part, they're hand-picked. They're companies that I respect, companies that do great work. And, and I really appreciate being having the opportunity to uh, highlight some of the work that you guys are doing together. So thank you again for your time. And thank you again for uh, sharing your expertise with the community. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Bill. Thank you. What a great discussion. We want to thank our sponsors for today, Serious Healthcare who are investing in our mission to develop the next generation of health leaders. Thanks for listening. That's all for now.